We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. We have all been there, especially in this day and age. With all the technology we have at our fingertips, it often becomes quite confusing as to what works best or what's going to be the most realistic one for us to use to better support engage, and empower teachers and students. Hey, everyone, Dr. Jones here. And this week, I talked to Alex Isaacs, who is an ed tech specialist who really believes in creating a caring classroom community in everything he does. Now, that might sound like it doesn't necessarily go together when you're talking about all these ed tech tools that we have at our fingertips that sometimes become overwhelming. Not so much with Alex, though, because in this episode, he talks about how you keep it real, keep it relevant, and keep it engaging by acting in a tight, loose way. You see, you want to encourage people to use new technology to improve themselves and continually get better, but you don't want to force them because then instead of adopting it and getting better, they resist it and nobody moves forward. So he talks about three steps, three important steps to make this happen. You have to have a low learning entry level point. You can't have that steep learning curve. It has to be low entry points for people. There has to be ongoing training for those individuals that are stepping forward. And then finally, they have to be able to take something away, something that helps with that ongoing learning that they can implement immediately and start to see individual success for their classrooms. This is a great conversation. The time flew by, and I'm sure you're going to learn a ton. So without taking any more of your time, I appreciate you taking time to listen to another episode of Seeing to Lead. Make sure to spread the word by subscribing and giving an honest rating and review. Now, let's get to Getting Better with Alex Isaacs. So I, I would encourage any leader out there that if your staff is, is getting frustrated, if, if you can see that they're getting to that burnout stage, and what can you do to buoy their spirits? What can you do to make them feel appreciated, that they feel noticed, that they are celebrated and not merely being tolerated? So I, I think that those are all things that you can keep in mind. And in addition to that, I think you need to promote individuals who are willing to take risks. I think that it's something that a lot of teachers are very reticent to do so. A lot of teachers are burnt out from the tech, from the amount of virtual teaching they had to do. But there are other teachers who have continued to push and innovate and take risks and do all those things. And I feel like if you're doing that in the four walls of your classroom without people going, hey, I like what you're doing. I'm seeing the results. Maybe you want to present on this at a PLC meeting or something along those lines. I feel like you might kind of just be spinning your wheels without really feeling like you're having that impact. Um, 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 um. 
Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Alex Isaacs is an eighth grade math teacher at Red Bank Middle School with seven years of full-time teaching experience. He's passionate about providing engaging content for students and teachers and specializes in multiple ed tech platforms and tools. He believes in forming strong connections with his diverse learners, first to foster a caring classroom community where students feel safe to be themselves. I'll tell you what, listeners, I had the chance to talk with Alex a little bit before we hit record here, and I'm really impressed, and I think it's going to be a great conversation. So, Alex, thanks for coming on, and welcome to the show. Chris, thank you for that introduction. Very excited to be here and so thrilled for the conversation. So one of the one of the things we talked about, let's just jump right into it. One of the things we talked about is how you got to where you are now and that you weren't always in education. So if you could just give us a little bit of that story. I know you, you were a little vulnerable in the story with part of that, and I appreciate that, but I think it, it'd be good to hear where you came from. Sure. I appreciate that completely. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm Alex Isaacs. I'm currently a middle school math teacher, but I come from a business background. You know, my father, David Isaacs, was a very big player in the Wall Street days in New York. And uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to follow in his footsteps. I want to be a big businessman in New York and ultimately got my, my business accounting undergrad degree from Monmouth University, went to New York, worked there for a bit. My mom got uh, ill. I decided to take some time away to take care of her. And, you know, in that time between taking care of her and just kind of realizing that I wasn't truly passionate about being in the business world, I realized that, you know, depending on what goes on in the next few months or so, I've got to maybe make a change or do I go back to my old routine? So unfortunately, my mom did pass away. But near the end of her life, she did tell me, you know, you work great with kids. I'd love to see you go back to school, be a teacher. And I took those words to heart, went back to Monmouth University, got my master's degree in education K to six, did some student teaching in Belmar, New Jersey, got my master's degree and, you know, just really worked my way up from there. I got my middle school math certification and since then taught basically every subject between elementary and middle school, science, social studies, ELA writing, all of that. I did a STEM program at the Catholic school I worked at which I was at for about two years until the pandemic year, I decided to start making some episodic video series about myself. I applied at my school that I'm currently at, Red Bank Middle School. They thought that the video was unique enough that that they wanted to bring me onto the team. And I've been there teaching middle school math since and really just enjoying my time engaging my learners in some fun material with math, trying to make it relevant for them. So it's been a little bit of a windy road, but in the end, I'm where I want to be, which is working with kids in the classroom and making them feel cared for on a daily basis. You talk a lot about two things, I noticed, and that's one is the ed tech piece where, and this is just a shout out to Wakelet and to the listeners, you have to check out Alex's Wakelet page. I I went on there, he sent me a link to his Wakelet page, I went on there and his profile, I was just stunned. I was shocked by it. So what do you list it on Wakelet as, Alex? Because I just hit your link and went to it. 
I am on as at Mr. I, at Mr. Underscore, un, uh, hang on, at Mr. Mr. Underscore Isaacs underscore math. So my same for the Twitter, for Instagram and all of that. It's all Mr. Underscore Isaacs underscore math. So I am on there. And if you go to my Twitter page, it's actually the link underneath my bio. You can go straight to it. Fantastic. And I, again, have to tell people to go there because you have a lot of things linked up right in your profile. You have some other podcasts, you have some videos, which when you mentioned episodic video, I wonder I wonder if you could tell the listeners what you mean by that and why that was an attractive thing to the people that offered you the position. Well, in, in all honesty, when the pandemic did happen in, in March of 2020, was a STEM teacher at the time teaching first to eighth grade STEM. And I wasn't required to teach live, but what I was trying to do was make kids feel like it was normal. Like, like even though we were all home, we were away from everybody, it was completely abnormal. I wanted to provide some comic relief to my kids and their families as well. So the first day that we went home, I actually did a video for my kids, just a plain old front vertical video. It was absolutely atrocious, but I told my kids, I said, What's one thing that you can take away from this time that you're going to be home and get yourself better? And for me, my goal was becoming more competent with ed tech and also being more competent with creating video content. So I made a new episodic video series called Adventures in At-Home Learning with Mr. Isaacs and Mr. Bear. I was doing multiple voices for bears, myself, a detective alter ego named Detective Scossi. God bless my girlfriend, Lois Alston, who put up with me having to deal with this nonsense. But in the end, I feel like I did a great job with it. And I remember putting out my second episode that concluded the school year. And I had so many parents come up to me saying, we felt like things were normal for a little bit. We loved your video. We really felt the care. We appreciate all you did. And that was all I needed to know. And that was what I did it for. That was why I wanted to promote it so much. I was doing teaser GIFs. I was doing everything to try to build anticipation and make my kids feel confident that they were going to have a good time. And then luckily enough for me, the first interview process at my new school was send us a one minute, 30 second video that epitomizes you. So I had a one minute intro to my episodic video series that had the just of 10 of us theme song. And I'm pushing a bear on a swing. And before that, I highlighted my virtual classrooms. They were very impressed with it. I got to the interview. I discussed some of my, some of my philosophies on teaching and ed tech. And unfortunately for me, I did enough where I got the job and I've never received such support from administration in my life since I've been at Red Bank Borough Public Schools. Now that's, I mean, first of all, that's awesome. The idea that you would receive a comment from somebody that said you made it feel normal for it. I mean, that's just a testament to how much you care. But, and that's one of the things that you talk about a lot. You talk about the idea of building community, caring and making things as normal as possible for students. Where does that come from? Is that just something that's natural or is that something that you've worked at? I, I think that's a great question. And I can only go that when I was a kid, I felt misunderstood by my teachers. I really did. I mean, I went, I, I feel like I went the entirety of my middle school career, really not making any significant connections with my teachers. And I don't really have a lot of like, boy, I remember that moment. I remember my teachers, especially the ones that I enjoyed and did not enjoy. But what I always feel like is kind of incumbent upon us is we need to take what we didn't like about when we were kids and try to do better for the kids that are coming up. And what I said to myself as I became a teacher is I know what my kids are into because I'm young enough where I'm into the video games. I know about all that stuff. I know about TikTok and Snapchat and all that, all those things. 
But I said, I want to make every child as unique as they are, as special as all of them are. I want them to all feel like they have an adult that they could come to, they could be honest with, and that I will have their back. And I will take time out of my math class occasionally where if a student is in a time of need and they feel comfortable enough to talk to me, I will tell my co-teacher to take over for a brief amount of time and I will go take a quick walk with them to listen to them. So I always want my students to know I'm more than a math teacher. I'm here to support you. I'm here to let you know that you are cared for. And I have made that a priority of mine since day one. I feel like I have a very good ability to form positive relationships, positive rapport with students. So I take that very seriously. And again, I kind of use my own childhood experience to guide me in that idea that I'm going to be a person that students remember, hopefully for the best possible reasons. That's fantastic. But that's not always easy. And, you know, people talk about it. You have to get through the academics. You have to do this. You know, a lot of those those conformity things of education and the time bound issues that we run into. It sounds like you're supported to do that. And you actually said that you had a supportive administration doing that. But there's also that empowered piece. So if we blow this up a little bit for all the leaders listening, how do leaders support their teachers in behaving in those ways that you're talking about, which are fantastic for students? And how do leaders empower their teachers to just take the reins and go ahead and do that? Well, well, for me, you know, just two years and change, I've needed every bit of encouragement that I've received in order to maintain and keep pressing on day after day in extremely challenging times. And anybody who's been in teaching over the last, and administration, anyone in education over the last two and a half years almost has had a tough time in trying to keep things straight. But my group of administrators, I think that they keep it real, which I can always appreciate. I think that they try to take off of our plates whenever possible. And I do feel like they go above and beyond to be complimentary when I'm either representing the district in an effective manner, or if they see that I'm doing something that's innovative or something along those lines, where they're also giving me opportunity to provide professional learning sessions for the colleagues in my district, where I've had the opportunity to do three, four PDs. I'm trying to use more PL, professional learning, but I've had multiple opportunities to do that. So They've kind of amplified my level to have a bigger impact on the school. And I've been thankful for that because that's what keeps me engaged and very passionate about everything. But for me, I think simple recognition, I think taking off of teachers' plates, I think when something can be done via email instead of having a full-blown staff meeting, you know, the classic ones that many people know of, um, but just little ways of sharing appreciation, I think that it goes a long way. And as I said, between administration being supportive of me as a teacher and an innovator, and then the amazing connections that I've built on Twitter, including yourself, Chris, they are the people, you are the people that have kept me going, kept me motivated through this time. So I'm very thankful. I let my admin know. I think that they should know that I'm very appreciative of them and I remain supportive of them as well in, in what they're trying to do with their directives at school. Now, first of all, that's a fantastic answer. And it makes me think you're obviously very engaged, but we have those other staff members that are not necessarily engaged. Just like we have the students that are hyper-engaged and we have the students that not so much for whatever reason. How do you, as a teacher, deal with that negative energy and push through that negative energy and maybe even help turn it a little bit positive, if that's your thing, when that's occurring in the school? Well, I think you can only do so much at a certain point where 
I try to be positive without being the toxic positivity level. I also try to keep it very real with my students. You know, I'm the last line of defense for them prior to them going off to high school. The majority of them go to a place called Red Bank Regional, another great school in New Jersey. So I, I am imploring children uh, with my own personal stories where I was receiving math extra help when I was a child. You know, I was the kid who had to go in during his lunch and suffer the slings and arrows of Miss Sneddon. I need you to give me a little bit more reinforcement, especially on word problems, because I had a big time problem with those as a kid to where now I'm teaching you, ma'am. And I try to use my humor to pull kids out of the doldrums. There, there's never an instance where I'm not willing to listen to them. And if they have something to share with me, I think that I do a good job of being an empathetic listener where students know that they have an outlet if they need that. And I also just really try to make myself available to not just for the academic needs, but also for the emotional SEL related needs. I think that's crucial as well. Now, are there certain days where I'm not getting the level of engagement that I would like? Yes. And those are a challenging time because I know how much that I'm prepping on a daily basis to try to make material that is relevant and engaging for my students, whether it be gamifying a lesson with Gimkit or Blukit or you know, uh, incorporating Seesaw or formative to get some better formative assessment techniques or Nearpod, something real time where we're doing digital gallery walks at all times. But sometimes, despite my best efforts, it doesn't always go the way that I would like it to be. And instead of trying to control the situation, there are other instances where I just simply try to provide encouragement. If an individual is still not really falling in line, I kind of believe that there could be some deeper things going on. And that's where I attempt to have a frank discussion with them if they're willing to share. If they're not at that point, I would always express that there are multiple outlets for you, whether it be with counselors or at home, and that I hope that they will take that opportunity. Because for me, I really am beginning to realize that the last two and a half years, I think that kids' emotional needs are going through the roof. I mean, I just feel like we have a lot of kids out there who can technically be clinically depressed. And my fear is, if they don't have an outlet of somebody to be talking to and they're internalizing everything and they don't have the type of coping skills that it's required in order to overcome those on their own, I start to get fearful as to what type of motivation, engagement, self-mitigating, you know, all these different types of factors, how they're impacting them. So I'm trying to get a very holistic view of a child. I think I can do a great job of watching them come through my door and I know how they're doing for that day. So I just try to be perceptive, express that I care about them very much. And I think that my kids do know that. So I just really try to keep that as my cornerstone. Let the kids know you care about them. Keep it real with them if you feel like they're not meeting the mark or the expectation. And do your best to know that they're an adult that they can count on. That is such great advice for everybody listening. And I just think about how many times as a leader we reflect. And if we don't, we need to reflect on the idea. Are we keeping it real, relevant, and engaging for our staff? Because they don't need the fluff either or all the professional acronyms and the terms and the extra, uh, dare I say, garbage that gets in the way of what teachers actually need that will keep them motivated and keep them coming back day after day because teaching's hard. And just, you know, the other words of wisdom you had about sometimes things aren't in our control. And, you know, no matter how much we plan and we just can't sit there and struggle to regain control in a forceful way because that'll that'll have a backlash that we don't care for. One one thing I have to do though is who was it what teacher did you mention about math help and is that a teacher at your school or one that you actually had as a student? That is not. That was me as a student, Miss Sneddon. I, the fact that I remember this is pretty amazing. I shout out to Miss Sneddon. 
Miss Snedden, shout out to her, wherever she is. She was the maternity leave teacher in for my actual teacher, who I do not remember her name. But I do oh. remember that <laughs> Miss Snedden was salt of the earth and would accept me coming in at recess to do some extra help with word problems. So shout out to Miss Snedden, wherever she might be these days. There you go. Well, maybe the podcast will reach her. Who knows? We hope I, so. We, hope, we so. hope so. You know, yeah. that just highlights something. Though. I mean, think about the power of that memory. The teacher that was in for maternity leave for the actual teacher, you don't remember the actual teacher, but you remember this teacher because of the impact she made on you as a student. She probably could have taught you algebra, much less word problems, because that relationship was there. It was so bought in. I just, I love that piece. I couldn't let that go. That, And then to find out that she was a substitute, that's absolutely fantastic. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. You know, something I definitely want to touch on that is one of your strengths, obviously, that I think you can offer a lot of guidance in is just off the top of your head, you mentioned GimKit and BlueKit. And, you know, when you're talking about Wakelet, Canva is another one that I get lost in. And then another one that made me think of, a lot about this was Moat. And I was introduced to Moat by my wife. My wife is a seventh and eighth grade English teacher. And she said, hey, you got to check this out. And so then I introduced it to a couple teachers and teachers were using it to give comments and feedback on labs and started using it more and more. And they came to me, they said, you know, Chris, this is the real deal. But through all the ed tech tools out there, we don't always find the one that clicks for us. And granted, it's different for everybody else and the use. How do we as leaders kind of help teachers sort through that or give them guidance through that so it's not an overwhelming mess, but it's actually something that's helpful and useful? For me, I think first and foremost is it's something that's going to be well-liked and well-received by both the teachers and students. So, you know, you bring up Moat, shout out to John Neal. I mean, an absolute gentleman, an amazing ed tech guy. I love the platform as well. I've been using it for about almost two years now. And when I tell you as a teacher who teaches students who are multilingual, the amount that I've been able to connect with them has been off the charts. But for me, I always give the advice, you know, pick something that's going to be well received by your teachers and students, something that isn't a steep learning curve, something along the lines of a moat, a wakelet, a a Canva or an Adobe Express. That's another design graphic graphic design tool that I like to use in my spare time, especially. So for me, it's really about finding something that is going to not be a steep learning curve making sure that you're picking platforms that perhaps could be able to offer professional learning sessions for your teachers so that you're not just saying, oh, well, here's the latest and greatest deal right here, you know, figure it out. Or here's a doc that talks about how to do it. 
instead of that, having an actual individual being able to come in, discuss to you some real applications with the platforms. And then last for me, being able to give them something to take away with regard to that platform. So the instances that I've been able to provide professional learning sessions to my colleagues at Red Bank Middle School, I always am giving them some type of resource that they can then take away that automatically has activities that they can use on the platform and also provides them information where maybe they were working on something while the professional learning session was going on, you know, while the PL was going on and they didn't quite pick up on that. Well, guess what? They leave. They still have my voice explaining something to them. They have a built-in embedded video that expresses how to use something. And I feel like at that point, you get a lot more buy-in. So for me, it's finding platforms that are not too difficult to really implement in class, ones that have some great utility, and providing that ongoing professional learning aspect and not just simply just throwing it out there and hoping for the best. All right. So if I can just wrap that up for you, it's basically what you're talking about is low entry and ongoing training if we want the right tech tools to be available to teachers or for teachers to engage in the tech tools. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something that I'm always trying to keep in mind if I'm getting the opportunity to share platforms with my colleagues, whether it be in PLC or as a whole group at the school. I'm trying to figure out platforms that are really going to make their lives easier and something that's not that steep of a learning curve. But then in addition to that, I'm also always trying to provide that resource that they can take away with them, whether that be a Wakelet collection or a remote audio message or some type of video embed that I'm including that so that if they miss that aspect of a PL session, they still have that ability to stay up to speed and really be able to still utilize the platform when they're on their own without you there. Because with you know when you're there and you're guiding them, it's one thing, but when they're away from you, you know, my colleagues, I want them to feel confident with the platform. So I'm really just trying to get something that's not too steep of a learning curve, something that I'm going to be able to provide them resources to take away from and really being able to promote the platform consistently where they're getting that training, you know, throughout the school year. That's awesome, especially to promote the platform consistently. You said a couple of things there. One you hinted at and one you said directly that I just have to follow up with. And you especially said with Mo. And you talked about Moat with your English language learners or your different, your diverse set of languages that you have. How does that help with your EL students in the classes? Well, more than anything, it allows me to be more communicative with their families. You have multiple multilingual families in my, you know, community in my school district. So as a result of that, I want them to be able to have a transcribed audio moat message that, you know, has what I'm sharing for the week on a weekly basis. And I want my students who might be struggling to read English or say English to have these resources available to them where if they are away from me, I want things to be as accessible as possible. I'm extremely passionate about utilizing tools that allow my students to succeed when they are away from me. You know, that's my main philosophy. I'm not going to have anybody feeling as if, you know, they're up a creek without a paddle. I want them to feel like they have that, you know, that life preserver. They're not drowning in either math or an ed tech tool. So I'm always doing my best to really just try to keep it where these tools, especially Moat, are allowing my families of my students to be up to date with math and really be able to communicate with me in a more effective and And that's what I really try to keep in mind. How can I personalize and make my instruction and interactions with my families and my students, you know, more, more effective. I'm always trying to keep that in mind. Now, what you're talking about, you talk a lot about professional learning and you made a, you made a 
point to call it professional learning instead of development, which to me makes me think that you're a huge proponent of learning continuously and continuously learning as we go. One of the things I'm thinking about is so every teacher USA is facing all kinds of challenges with time constraints on planning, giving feedback to students, trying to meet the needs of diverse learners, be they language needs, learning needs, large classrooms, type budget, all this stuff. And then the things that they're responsible for. It can be overwhelming. How does an administrator, how do leaders support teachers? Because at the same time, we're saying take things off the plate, but there are certain things that by nature of the job can't be. So how can we work to support teachers in that area? Well, I mean, I think that there's two things you could do. Number one, I think you can build time into your weeks that that are specifically tailored towards Here's a platform that the school uses. We're going to provide a professional learning session at this time for teachers in grades X, Y, and Z. I think that, you know, making it where it doesn't have to be necessarily done in their spare time, I think that is something that would be excellent. I really do wish that my school would dedicate on a weekly basis a portion of time where we were getting the opportunity to either explore a new platform or become certified or something along those lines. So I think that's number one. And I really do feel like incentivizing it. I think that, you know, I don't know if it needs to be anything so grandiose or anything along those lines, but whether that be if you become certified on a platform, if you want to present on that platform at a PLC or something along those lines, or you know, even if it's something as simple as getting like a Dunkin' gift card or a Starbucks gift card or your favorite beverage or come into work a few minutes late or something along those lines where I know that the administrators of my district are doing that. They actually use a spinner wheel that has all the names of teachers and they do like a monthly raffle with us. So I just feel like those are two things, building some time into the week where teachers get that opportunity to delve without having it kind of infringe upon their personal lives and incentivizing it. You know, what am I going to get out of this in addition to, you know, boosting my kids' confidence, my accessibility, and anything along those lines? Now, for me personally, I'm the worst person to ask this question because I take my personal time constantly and I'm learning and implementing new tech tools and all that stuff, but this is my passion. So for me, I love it. I don't expect every other teacher to be to this degree, but for me, I tell all teachers who are trying to delve into tech, what's the thing you're most passionate about? What's the biggest need you have in your class? And after they tell me those two things, I then try to gear what I have, my knowledge on these platforms. I try to gear and make about two recommendations as for as far as what would be effective for you to use in your own class. But as far as admin goes, incentivize and give us that built-in time where we can really delve. Fantastic. So you've talked a lot about belonging, community, tech tools, how to support. Uh, we walk into what you would consider your perfect school environment. What's that look like? What's it feel like? What do I see? What do I hear? Well, it sounds like some amazingly funny banter between myself and some <laughs> kids. It's me joking with kids. It's me also at the same time working in small groups, you know, having those moments where I see a change for kids. I actually feel very good about myself today. I had some great breakthroughs with a couple of my students just sitting with them for a few minutes, working through some examples. It, it's the sites are having a group of individuals coming together to solve a problem and really have an impact and create work that we're all proud of and have some noise, not extensive, not to the point where it's lunacy, but have some noise, have some banter, have some laughter, have that ability to 
have people feel free to share and feel like they are going to be accepted. All of the above, a caring classroom community. I have been using that alliteration, those three words together since I've started in this. I always wanted to start a caring classroom community. I feel like without that, kids are going to be reticent to really want to learn. So it's a harmonious environment where students and teachers are coming together to really solve problems, have an impact, and make material relevant. And if that's going on for me and kids are giving their best effort, I couldn't ask for anything more than that. Alex, you are saying some fantastic things. I could talk to you for hours, but we're getting to the end of the podcast. So I have two questions, the two scripted questions that I ask every guest that comes on. The first one is if you weren't an educator, who, not what would you be? Well, I'd be probably a person who would really miss that those conversations with my kids. I mean, I don't know. I'm 37. I look a little bit more gray in the beard by the day. But at the same time, I feel like the banter, the jokes, the relationships that I build, I wouldn't want to lose that. You know, that's the tough thing. I always feel like I'm going to be able to, at the very least, be popping into classrooms because I, I would be the type who would miss that level of banter. At the same time, I also feel like I'd be an individual who could close my door at the end of each day, turn the key and realize I'm good to go. I can go play some video games right now. I can spend some quality time with my partner and her kids and not have to pre-plan and spend such a copious amount of time spreading myself very thin over the last two and a half years. So I feel like while I would miss the banter and I would miss the relationships, I would not miss the amount of responsibility on my plate and the amount that this job is kind of always on your mind. I think that if you are an educator who is trying to grow and trying to innovate and be as best as you can, maybe not to the degree that I do, but there's always that level of scrutinizing, what can I do better? I would really just like to have that little bit of a break as far as saying my best is good enough. I can turn my key. My day is over. We move on to work the next day where all I got to do is deal with it from a nine to five. So that would be me if I was not in teaching. Excellent. So we've talked about a lot. As we wrap this up, what's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders and teachers as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they lead, both in the building level and in the classroom? Well, we kind of talked about it earlier. I don't do anything that I do for the recognition. I do everything for my kids and their families and trying to, you know, do the best math instruction I can do. At the same time, that recognition coming from up top, when it's meaningful and real, that that means all the world. And that has really kept me going. So I got to give a shout out, you know, Dr. Rummage, who's my superintendent, Mr. Logelli, assistant superintendent, Dr. Cuddy, a supervisor at my school, Ms. Harrington, the vice principal, Mr. Pearson, the principal. They have been a big part in keeping me going. So I would encourage any leader out there that if your staff is getting frustrated, if you can see that they're getting to that burnout stage, what can you do to buoy their spirits? What can you do to make them feel appreciated, that they feel noticed, that they are celebrated and not merely being tolerated? So I think that those are all things that you can keep in mind. And in addition to that, I think you need to promote individuals who are willing to take risks. I think that it's something that a lot of teachers are very reticent to do so. A lot of teachers are burnt out from the tech, from the amount of virtual teaching they had to do. But there are other teachers who have continued to push and innovate and take risks and do all those things. And I feel like if you're doing that in the four walls of your classroom without people going, hey, I like what you're doing. I'm seeing the results. 
maybe you want to present on this at a PLC meeting or something along those lines. I feel like you might kind of just be spinning your wheels without really feeling like you're having that impact. So to have a superior or a colleague simply give you that guide and saying, hey, I like what you're doing. I really think that this is innovative. I think that those are two very simple things that all administrators can do that would really help in the grand scheme of things, especially in the current landscape at schools around the world. Preach. (laughs) You are on fire. Hey, look, and I'm going to I'm going to leave you with a a really good thought. You mentioned something about gray in your beard. My friend, people can't see this video, but I think you you don't really have that much gray to worry about in your beard. Well, a few, a few more, a few more, a few. I, Chris, I see what you're rocking right now. You know, but hey, I know that admin is not the easiest climate right now as well. So I think that the last few years might have done our beards in a little bit. Maybe, so maybe it's more maybe. of a goatee. You got the full beard thing working, but we'll see when it gets to the days where I got to hit that just for men gel up. We'll see. Oh, yeah. I, I still refuse to do that. I'm holding out. I'm holding out. I'm on your side, Chris. I agree with you. Brother. So, hey, look, you out of all seriousness, you said some fantastic things. You've been on fire this whole conversation. I've learned a ton. I can't imagine that people haven't. If they want to reach out to you, get in touch with you, what's the easiest way? So for me, I'd say the easiest way is on Twitter. That's kind of like my side hustle. I am at Mr. Underscore Isaacs underscore math. There you can see the different types of ed tech platforms that I'm certified in, the types of you know groups and communities I'm a part of. And you also will have my Wakelet profile there if you'd like to get some ideas, especially if you're a math teacher out there listening. Middle school math teachers, please take a look at that Wake of Collection and kind of delve a little bit because you'll find some great resources for you and your students. Awesome. And I just have to say it one more time. That Wakelet Collection is no joke. You have to go to the Wakelet page. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. Hey, I'm very passionate about it. Love using Wakelet to create and really promote and amplify creativity. And I'm glad you got a chance to look at it. And I appreciate your kind words. All right. Well, Again, Alex, thanks. It's been great talking to you, and we'll have to stay in touch and do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All the best. Enjoy your holiday. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com, where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. 
Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.